All right, guys, Dr. Greg here, and I have with me Dr. Courtney Kayla, and Courtney is an expert in many facets. We have a whole list of questions to go through today. Um, so Courtney is really known in, in a couple of facets. Number one, the facet is, is in regards to this whole concept around non-toxic living. And then as a chiropractor, she is an expert when it comes to the nervous system and how to optimize that. And even has a whole group of chiropractors that she uh, works with inside of that. So Dr. Courtney, here we are. Good to have you here. Thank you so much for having me an expert, man. I don't know about that, but how about, um, how about committed to learning always? You know, I think there's something to that, right? I, I, um, and then, like we said just a little ago, right, you, you're committed to knowing something. And then once you know something, you have to share it, right? Because um, if, if we don't share something, that means we make an assumption about somebody, right? And the worst comment that anyone can ever say to us is, how come you never told me about that? Yes, that feels the most unloving to me. <laughs> it's so good. That's so good. So you get to the place where you are many times because of a, a previous experience or previous exposure. So when it comes to this whole concept around like non-toxic living, like were you raised this way or did you have some type of an epiphany along the way? Let's dive into that whole concept. Yes, definitely. You know, a little bit of both. Like I, when I reflect back on my childhood, I feel like I was raised very like fairly standard American diet. Um, but that's really my like adolescent years where we were involved. I'm the oldest of five kids and we were all heavily involved in not only just like our school athletics, but club athletics. And then my parents wanted us to be well-rounded. So we were all doing choir and theater. And like, I mean, just Saturdays from eight to eight, we were at each other's soccer games and all the things. So that in the busyness of that, I remember many late night Wiener schnitzel drive-throughs with my dad. Where and, were you raised? Oh, and like, well, I kind of lived all over, but we've been in Dallas, Texas for the past 20 years. Okay. Okay. So, is Wiener Schnitzel for our listeners? Is that like a restaurant or I'm I'm half German. So like you had me at Schnitzel, like, let's go. It sounds like sausage and, and bread to me, but is that like a restaurant in your area? It's um, an older fast food chain that is literally just like any type of hot dog, any way you want it. Oh my gosh. Love, yeah. It's love. like my dad's favorite. So, you know, my, it's just kind of two opposing um, how my parents were raised. Like my mom was raised on a self-sustaining homestead farm on the side of a mountain in Portland, Oregon. Wow. And my dad was raised in Odessa, Texas, which is like the armpit of America. That's like what people think of when they think of Texas, like flat desert tumbleweeds rolling. He told me that there was no water source for like an hour away. So he's like, people just didn't garden. Like there were, there was no water. Like this was right. desert. Yeah. So he was raised on like fried bologna sandwiches. So, you know, I feel like my childhood is probably a good mixture of the two, really. How, like, how in the world did your parents meet each other? Like, there's kind <laughs> of a crazy story there. They both attended Abilene Christian University for Very college. Cool. Oh, my word. Because you can't bring probably two more opposite people uh, to, to a place called marriage with five kids. And, oh, yeah. Okay, so, so literally, yin and yang are now making babies and chasing sports and dad still holds on to his wiener schnitzel. So, <laughs> so then wh when was that shift for you? When was that like, okay, like we can't live on six different types of hot dogs and be healthy. 
Yes, definitely. I mean, I think my mom, she cooked everything from scratch. So I remember like when she only went out of town like one time and my dad took us to the grocery store to pick out TV dinners and that we were like so excited because we were never allowed to have TV dinners. We're like, this is the coolest, you know, with like the blue food and all that, the the dinosaur chicken nuggets, the whole thing. And we were, yeah, that we were so excited, but really like the shift for me, I think was that, um, as a child, I always knew that the body was self-healing and self-regulating. I didn't have that vocabulary, but like I would actively choose carrots and celery over like goldfish crackers, which my dad worked for Pepperidge Farms. So we had an unlimited amount of goldfish crackers. Right. Yeah. He also worked for Procter and Gamble. So we had like an unlimited amount of like that whole conglomerate and everything they're involved with. Right. So it's, yeah, again, just like those two opposing things. But, um, that shift for me, I just knew that I knew that all along. I refused to pop my zits because I was like, my body created this, like, it'll get rid of it Mm kind of drove my friends and family nuts. But then it was through learning about chiropractic and the philosophy of chiropractic. That's what brought me to natural living. So it was, yeah, the application of that and congruency is one of my core values. And so I would get made fun of in chiropractic school because it's like, They were like, some of you can't separate like chiropractic and this philosophy. And I was like, how can you separate it? Like everything I'm learning, I just want to live that out. So I'm a chiropractor to my core. And when we look at, you know, the things that can cause an interference to the nervous system, physical, chemical, and emotional stressors, Mm -hmm. it's like physical stressors. You can't live your life trying to avoid falls and car accidents. Like that's just part of life. Emotional stressors. Those are things we're constantly working through. But chemical stressors, I was like, well, there's a lot we can't avoid, you know, like the 5G rollout and all kinds of things. Like there's things in our environment, pollution, you know, we can't avoid all that. But like within the walls of my home, I think there's a lot I can do to like just decrease any exposure. So then my nervous system is even having to adapt that. So when I am in a car accident, I have a higher capacity to be able to adapt it because I don't have as much junk in my bucket. That's so good. I use the term with my patients. I say, you have no control over the things you have no control over. And you have all control over the things you have control over. So what I hear you saying is you looked inside the four walls of your house and you're like, okay, I can control this place. And I'm going to, I'm going to start jumping into that. Also, um, you would describe yourself as a question everything kind of girl. And I'm the same thing. I will just straight up say everything is BS until you prove it to me. Like I, I walk in with that premise and it's not that I'm pessimistic. I'm actually very, very optimistic. However, um, I have this curiosity where that questioning component uh, has been helpful. So walk me through kind of your stance on passion for questioning everything. I call it a healthy level of skepticism. Yes. You know, like I, I think that we should be wary of everything. And so I just, I think that The majority of people, I teach a one class on philosophy for um, one of my professors at Life University. And one of the things we talk about is all the stats on how many people go through life, not knowing why they do what they do. And like, you know, you hear it from the media and stuff like people are being sheep or whatever, but it's like, truly, it's like, if you don't understand why you get up every morning and drink coffee, why are you getting up every morning and drinking coffee? Like you're just doing it. You're just being a robot. You're kind of just being a sheep. So it's understanding more about why I believe the things I believe, why I do the things that I do that helps inform the whole questioning of everything in my life and in my home. 
Yeah. So let's go back. So you're the oldest of five, by the way, my wife and I have five kids. So I like, and, and you're, you're probably that quincentennial oldest child, right? Responsible go getter. Our oldest is a senior in high school right now. And oh my gosh, that girl is a rock star. And so you're, you're walking through high school, you're, you're in athletics, you're in drama, you're in speech, you're in choir. And now it's, and now it's like, Hey, Courtney, what are you going to do when you grow up? So walk me through that transition of, of athletic theater to healer. Yeah. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew, you know, being an athlete, like health just kind of comes along with it. Now, not necessarily nutrition, but like we were exercising like a lot every day because we had lots of practices. So I remember my senior year, I was going to play collegiate volleyball and I was like, so like, there's no training set up for me this summer. Like I'm responsible for training myself for like going to play in college. And so I, it was just this shift of like, I now have to take ownership over this instead of just showing up when they tell me to show up. Mm. And I was like, I can choose to take ownership over this, or I can choose to just like not. And I decided to like really be active, an active participant in my own health. Mm So I made that shift and, um, you know, just in playing collegiate sports, I ended up having a shoulder injury that took me out of collegiate athletics. And it was, um, Oh man, I'm drawing blank. Say your question again. I was getting there. Did you play college softball? Oh no, I played college volleyball. Volleyball. Wow. Yeah. So I, I have to, you know, so my wife was a two sport college athlete. She played softball and volleyball in college. And like, you guys are hardcore. So, okay. So, so you're in college. At what point are you like, I'm going to chiropractic school? Like what, oh, what, yeah, yeah. what was that epiphany? Okay. So I was like, I draw, you know, I stopped playing sports and then I had to find like a new circle of friends, which was a big identity crisis for me because my identity was always in people who lived and worked out and ate like I did. Mm -hmm. So now I'm with like the general population and I'm like, what you guys are eating that? Uh, Like I'm going to the gym. Y'all aren't going like, and it was set. And so I started training all of my friends. Like they started seeing like how I was eating and they would come to the gym with me. And so they were like, Courtney, you know that you can like study health. And I was at the time I was a business major. Cause that's just what my dad did. I had no idea what to do. And I was like, what you can study this. And they were like, yeah, like that day I went and changed my major. I knew I didn't want to be a physical therapist and I didn't want to be a dietitian. Those were kind of the two paths. Right. So I chose exercise science, health promotion, And I was like, I don't know what I want to do with this, but (laughs) this is just the path I have. And then one of my friends came up to me and said, Hey, you're the healthiest person I know. There's this girl that I work with and she's also another healthiest person that I know. She's opening a chiropractic office and needs someone to run her front desk for her. And I went and got coffee with that chiropractor and she hired me on the spot. I opened her office with her and that's where I learned the philosophy of chiropractic and I will never forget the day she told me that the body is self-healing and self-regulating and there's an innate intelligence that flows within and controls and coordinates all functions. I said, no, I think you just described me. Like I've always thought that, but like, I didn't have those words, but like, that's how I've always lived my life. And I was like, oh my gosh, God has absolutely called me to be a chiropractor. Like this is, this is like, who I'm supposed to be. And so I applied to chiropractic school and got accepted like right away and just boom, went right into it. You go. And what school did you go to? I went to Parker. Very cool. Down there in Texas. Yes. Yes. Where'd you go? I went to Northwestern. And uh, yeah, I have a, I have a really unique introductory story into chiropractic as well. I, (laughs) yeah, we won't go to it on on a podcast because it's like, well, that's crazy. But, but we grew, I grew up with, I actually grew up 
um, before I had my first formal adjustment by a chiropractor, I would actually see, I grew up in little itty bitty town, North Dakota, and I would actually see a, a bone setter like this guy that like didn't go to, didn't go to like formal chiropractic education. You'd go to his house and he was super handy with his hands. And my grandpa, my mom's dad had seen this guy for years and years and literally swore by him. So I had this and I grew up much like you, mom, like I have a picture of my grandpa from 1972 in what he called a hot box or a sauna. He would, they would winter in Yuma, Arizona. He would do IV chelation, so I kind of had this bent, much like you, like I have a mom's side that is my mom was actually a home ec major. And my mom was as well. <laughs> we had a root cellar in our house. When I was a, when I was a, uh, a not so nice little boy, I'm, I'm the third of four boys. When I was a little shenanigan uh, growing up, my mom would make me go to the garden and pick five gallons of green beans and snap all of them. <laughs> that, was my, that was my penance for being uh, a, a overzealous little boy. So I love just that conversation and that, and that innate, like, it just makes sense, right? That conversation of the body doesn't need help. It just needs no interference. That understanding that no, like everything's there. You're, you're 75 trillion cells intimately put together. And I've actually gone through a bunch of the Carrick neurology training and it's like, Oh my gosh, like, especially because I do a ton of work with autoimmunity and, and in that world for them to say the nervous system or the body has gone rogue, I'm like, all right, pump the brakes. Yeah. Do you understand what actually has to go completely haywire for the body to go rogue or the nervous system to go rogue or the immune system to go rogue? So I took our philosophy into that world. And I'm the same thing. I'm super curious. Some people would call it ADHD. I love it because I'm like, tell me more, tell me more. Ooh, that's interesting. But then I'm also not, I love how you use the word sheep. Um, I'm totally not a sheep because I'm like, well, what if, what if, or would it be possible? So I, that that is just so neat to, to hear and, and, and to hear you talk about that. So you talk about um, nervous system centric when you talk about chiropractic. So, I mean, we have thousands and thousands of listeners to this and a lot of people have seen a chiropractor yet. <clears throat> I would, I much like you would say that not all chiropractic philosophy and approaches are um, alike. So tell us more about the, the nervous system centric approach. Yeah. I mean, with the nervous system, it's like this, the way that I practice now is how chiropractic was founded, which is assessing the nervous system first and foremost. And so it, people think it's like very new school of like, Oh, like, are you looking at neurology? And I'm like, no, like I haven't done any of the care training. I'm not doing any like brain balance type stuff. It's just that I, I can look at the bones and muscles. Like that's great, but the nerves control the bones and muscles. And so it's like, I can go to the bones and muscles and know that they're going to have an impact on the nerves or I can go to the nerves and know that it's going to have an impact on the bones, the muscles, as well as every cell organ and tissue within your body. So what I simply advocate for is one, some chiropractic is better than no chiropractic. So find a chiropractor near you, no matter how they practice, like get under chiropractic care. But then two, like if you can find someone that will assess your nervous system first, I think that your potential for healing could be much greater and happen a lot faster because we're just getting even more so to the root. So true. So, okay. So people jump on Facebook or they jump online and they say chiropractor near me and kaboom, they get inundated. So someone's looking at this, they're, they're watching this. They're like, okay, I'm going to go see a chiropractor. 
uh, they you, people need to know how to interview chiropractors, right? So what are what's a what's like the top three questions or even the top question that someone could ask when they call a clinic in in regard to their approach to know that they are nervous system centric? I think there's a lot of screening that you can do even just on their website. Like before I came out with the resource that I have, which is a database of a bunch of chiropractors that assess the nervous system first and foremost, there was, there wasn't anything that existed like that. And so I would go through, you know, some databases like the ICPA, if I know that someone has a family or they're hoping to have a family and we want someone that has training to evolve through those stages of life with them. So that would kind of narrow it down and I'd go there and I'd click on someone's website. And if the first thing you see is like pain and, and pain, then it's like, well, there, if you're in pain, that might be a great place to go. But if you're just trying to live a healthy life and you want to have a healthy family, then maybe you don't want someone that's advertising pain first and foremost. So first thing I tell people to do is just see if they mention nervous system on their website. Like all of us who assess the nervous system first, it's like blasted all over our website. There's no question about whether or not we assess the nervous system. So if it's mentioned there, great. Mm -hmm. And then if you call, then you can just ask how they assess the nervous system. And I know that can be, um, it might be difficult if you're not familiar with, you know, some anatomy and physiology, but this is, you know, my brother's a chiropractor as well. He's younger than me. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. But he went to chiropractic school after I did. And, um, I challenge, we, we practice differently and I challenge him very regularly because I'm like, well, how do you know when and where to adjust? And so that's something that I challenge chiropractors with because he's like, well, I can feel like I palpate and I'm like, so you're feeling the bones and the muscles. So how do you know, like you you can maybe feel where there's tension and like where to adjust, Mm -hmm. but how do you know when you need to adjust that and in what order? And so that's stuff that we assess when assessing the nervous system is like, could I do one adjustment in the upper neck and it clear three or four other tension areas in the spine? Totally. Or he could probably go about and do all four of those. And then that can actually be very overstimulating for the nervous system. Yeah. Too much. So that's my like biggest piece is one, just check and see if they assess the nervous system. If nervous systems listed on their website, if you need to call and be like, Hey, do you assess the nervous system? Like if someone were to call my office, it's like, absolutely. Yes. Without a doubt. If you call and you're like, do you assess the nervous system? And they're like, well, let me ask the doctor. I'm not really sure. I'm like, they probably don't. Not half men. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so for those that have been to chiropractors, right, they have a, they have a, an idea of what assessments they've had, whether it's x-ray or scans or scopes. So in your opinion, and, and again, chiropractic is, is there's as, just as many techniques as there are practitioners, it seems like for, for your practice and for what works for you and, and is congruent. And I'm with you. What, what tools do you use to assess the nervous system? So I love to use the CLA insight scan and I don't use that as like, um, a diagnostic tool. I use it more of like an educational tool so we can have a global understanding of how your body is responding to stress and where it is like storing and, um, receiving that information. And then, um, the, technique that I use will really the assessment, the the analysis that I use. And that's what I advocate for with chiropractors is I don't care how you adjust. 
I just think you should have an analysis that's determining when and where you're adjusting. And so I use MC squared or MC2. Are you familiar with that one? Actually not. However, I have been to the mountain with Patrick Gentempo uh, with the CLA years and years ago when I had a traditional chiropractic practice. It was actually life-changing because of the, how they got, uh, how they worked with us clinicians. So so that is such good stuff. Um, hold that thought. We're gonna we're gonna pump the brakes and pause this for a bit of a commercial break, and then we'll jump back in. Hey everyone, Ben here, producer of the Daily Dose with Dr. Greg. We hope you're enjoying today's episode with Dr. Courtney Kayla. If you're struggling to find answers to your health questions or are fighting an autoimmune disease, Doc and the rest of the team here at Vite would love the opportunity to work with you in your health journey. I invite you to sign up for an initial evaluation with Dr. Greg using the link in this episode's show notes. Our clinic exists to equip you and your loved ones with the tools you deserve to feel better and live healthy. Again, to sign up, just click the link in this episode's show notes. Thanks for your time and enjoy the rest of today's episode with Dr. Courtney Kayla. All right, we are back. Let's jump in, Dr. Kayla, and let's talk about this non-toxic lifestyle and you've literally written the book on this. So um, give us a quick summary. How are these toxins getting in the house? Yeah. So, I mean, we can start with just how homes are being built and how homes are being made. Like homes are not being built for your health or for longevity, which we shouldn't be surprised by. We live in such a, you know, um, oh, there's a term for it. Uh, I can't remember. It's going to come back to me, but there's like a term for when they started, you know, at light bulbs years ago, used to run for like 25,000 hours. And then all of a sudden this cartel came in and they were like, Hey, actually we think that you should, which is crazy that this was from a cartel, but it was, we think that you should limit how many hours light bulbs use. And then people will have to buy more. And so they literally limited that. And if companies made light bulbs that performed better, they got fined. So yeah. So that's the history of, um, I can't remember the the term for it. I just I just did a post on it, so I don't know where this this is in my brain. But um, you got it. Yeah, it's cool. based, it's just how things are very fast to like break down. You know, like your grandpa's truck could probably still be running today, whereas like we have to get a new car every like five to ten years, like or a new dishwasher. Like things just are not made to last long anymore. Totally. So when we look at the building of your home. It is not made for your kids to live in one day. Like it is made to go up really fast. It's made to be really quick for the builder and it is very unhealthy for you. So how homes are being built, that's the first place. But then the products that we're like bringing into our home and using, okay, listen, if you go to the store and you walk down the laundry detergent aisle, it reeks, right? right? Every single one of those packaged products are completely sealed and yet it reeks. So imagine unsealing it and bringing it into your home. Like, I mean, it reeks when it's sealed. And so, yeah, we're looking at, I think fragrance is one of the number one issues. Like if you're going to really start taking care of the products you bring into your home and eliminate toxins, if you could start by eliminating things with fragrance, I think that that would be it's a very overwhelming place to start because everything has fragrance, but that would be a really impactful one. And especially when you talk about fragrance, you're talking about like laundry detergents, you're talking about lotions, soaps, like are those the top areas where you're seeing fragrance? Inside of yeah. Them? So like for my office, we actually have a no fragrance policy where 
Um, we ask people not to wear any lotions and I can even like their laundry detergent, I can smell it. And so like no perfumes. Um, it's really like the term fragrance is an all encompassing word for like thousands of other toxins that they're not required to disclose what those ingredients are. So it's not ever really natural. It's just all a bunch of um, a cocktail of nasty things. So when you're looking at a product ingredient label, like it's almost always one of the last ingredients on there, it'll say parfum or fragrance Mm -hmm. and it's in soaps. It's in, it's in almost all personal care products. I mean, even like sunscreen contains fragrance. Um, it's in your laundry detergent. It's even in like dishwasher liquid, like it is everywhere. They just, we have this. Let's go down that bunny trail for a second here. So do you, uh, do you have a favorite? I mean, let's, let's, let's bless some people here. Do you have a favorite brand of like laundry detergent? Or if I walked, if I could be in your place in Texas and I walked into your laundry room, what would I find in your cabinet? You would find Molly's suds. That is my favorite. Okay. And they have some scented options where they use like peppermint essential oil. So I think that's a tough transition. At least it was for my husband. He's used to clean being a smell. Yes. And so when we removed all these fragrances, he, fragrances, he's like, everything stinks. And I'm like, no, you, you've just been nose blind. Like you think that clean is supposed to have a smell when it's not supposed to have a smell. So switching to maybe something that has a smell, but isn't harmful for your health, which I would say would be like through essential oils. Mm -hmm. So they have like a peppermint, um, like laundry detergent. We personally use like everything unscented. So, so the thing is, so I have, I have, we have five kids and we have a 15 year old boy who plays many sports and you can just, uh, I can smell him from here. Literally does Molly's suds, uh, does it do a good job of cleaning stuff? Oh, listen, my husband is a very stinky human and um, (laughs) his socks, we have to like keep them in their own laundry bin because if his socks go into our laundry bin, the whole laundry will smell like his socks. So we keep like his workout clothes in a separate bin and they have an active wear laundry detergent that uses enzymes that are a little bit more powerful. Awesome. Okay. But it's still all non-toxic. That's so good. Okay. Now I'm, now I'm in your kitchen and I'm opening up the cabinet below your sink and I'm wondering what you put in your dishwasher. Well, spoiler alert, we do not use our dishwasher. What? Yes. There's yeah, some girl. great research out there that shows that people who use dishwashers have lowered immune system function because you're like sterilizing your dishes. Interesting. I'm yeah. interested by that. Okay. So then what is your dish soap? So for dish soap, we usually use Sal Suds, which is like a Dr. Bronner's product. It actually has a smell. It smells like pine, which is very lovely. That is amazing. And dishwashers are really gross. Like, have you seen all those videos of people taking the compartments out and cleaning out all the mold and food that gets stuck under there? You're supposed to do that like weekly, but no one does. So you're just like, we have five kids and uh, we eat like horses in our house. And I think I just felt myself shudder when you said no dishwasher. So I think I'm going to do a better job of cleaning mine out. And I know that there are some better options inside of that dishwasher detergent world. Um, Even, even the clothes washer, like I, my wife is completely OCD with keeping, you know, keeping the door open, wiping things down, and we still have to go in and and uh, just make sure that that thing is is where it's supposed to be. All right, I'm now in your your bathroom and I'm grabbing your toothpaste. What am I gonna find there? There's two different toothpastes that I love, and I kind of just alternate them. But my 
my favorite has been Uncle Harry's for years. They're just like a very old school brand. Um, it's a bentonite clay base. It has some like colloidal silver and minerals in it. Okay. It's for most people making the switch. They don't, it's a tough one because it doesn't foam up like conventional toothpaste does, which the reason it foams is because it has foaming agents in it, which are all toxins. 100%. Um, but then also it is like very salty because it's like a paste in like bentonite clay and like it has like the minerals. And so people are like, this is so salty, which I'm like, which is so good for you and your teeth. Um, but it is like jam packed with, I mean, like it like clears your sinuses when you use it. Cause it's like cinnamon and clove and so it is berries. And what's, what's your, what's your other toothpaste? The other one I love is Risewell, And it's because it has an ingredient called hydroxyapatate. Are you familiar with that? I am. Yeah. I actually use a company called Revitin, which has, which has hydroxyapatate in it. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. That's like, um, a newer, just newer ingredient that's included in toothpaste these days. That's shown to like build, well, build teeth better than like fluoride would and in a non-toxic way. But with those ones, you actually want to leave it on your teeth and not rinse it off. And that's a difficult practice for most people. Cause we're used to like rinsing the toothpaste out of our mouth. You know, it's funny when you said, you said your husband equated clean clothes with a smell. There was actually research in the dental world that when they started having the tingle in the mouth because of the chemicals in the toothpaste, that that's what people associate with a clean mouth was the tingle. So that's well, what, okay. Just put a little like clove in your mouth and you'll be all kinds of tingling. <laughs> okay. So I'm still in your bathroom and, um, deodorant do you make your own do you use nothing like what goes on your pits yeah I have not used deodorant in years um I was in chiropractic school and I remember I had started using natural deodorants like okay just to like backtrack through childhood a little bit like in high school I would make like my a lot of my own skincare and hair care products just like in our kitchen I'd make like egg yolk hair masks and all kind of stuff so in chiropractic school, I actually started a skincare line because I was making a bunch of like coconut milk shampoo and all my classmates were like buying it from me. So I created a brand while in school. That brand no longer exists. I shut it down. Okay. But it was just a fun little business venture. It, like for my creative mind while I was like doing so much schoolwork, you know? Yeah. Um, what was the original question? I do so many tangents. No, 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 no. You're good. So we were just talking about um, the the deodorant for your morning. Mm. Yeah. So I started using natural deodorant. Most natural deodorants contain baking soda and baking soda has like an accumulation factor within the body. So a lot of people that react to natural deodorants, like get um, a folliculitis, like red rash in the armpits. It's not because of the deodorant. It's because of the baking soda. And it's not a matter of if you're going to get it. It's a matter of when, because it's like when your body has accumulated enough baking soda that it reacts. Yeah. So I started reacting to my deodorant and I had just these red flaming like rashes in my pits. And I'm like, okay, I've just got to go free of deodorant. So I told all my classmates, but you know, chiropractic school, you're sitting in very close quarters and then you're doing a lot of drills where you're like in yeah. like armpits and people's faces. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, you guys, this has to happen. So I just like was so honest and told them and I brought like a little apple cider vinegar spray and I would like spritz my pits to like freshen up throughout the day. But I did like a two week armpit detox and I have not worn deodorant since and some of my friends on social media who like, know I don't wear deodorant when they meet me in real life. The first thing they want to do is smell my armpits because right. they like, can't believe that I don't wear deodorant. 
So good. I love it. Okay. So we've talked about, I would call these like the low hanging fruits, right? These are the simple things that you can do, but we have some of our listeners that are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I already, I've already switched all that stuff out. So let's, <clears throat> let's go a further bit down that rabbit trail of, all right, I want the graduate level swaps. So what's that next level of this for that stuff that you would tell people? Yeah, definitely. Those like, you know, the personal care products, I think tend to be the lower priced items and it's the, the bigger items would be like probably the more expensive things. But I just try to encourage people to evaluate where you're spending the most amount of time because then those swaps are going to have the biggest impact on your health. So really evaluating your bedroom. I think if you can really clean up your like bedroom, bathroom, that area, it's where you're spending the most amount of time, then that will have the greatest impact for you. So looking at your mattress, like most mattresses have so many toxic foams in them. And then you are just like laying on it, inhaling it all night, every night. And research shows that mattresses will off gas for years. Like you're constantly inhaling those Mm -hmm. toxins. So those are things that we look at. Sorry, go ahead. What's your favorite mattress? You know, I actually work with quite a few different brands because there's a lot of great options out there nowadays. We personally, like what you see here, this is a Brentwood home mattress. And way back when we got this, which was probably like five years ago, um, I met up with all of my social media friends who are also getting mattresses from like, I got this mattress for free because of social media. Mm-hmm. So all my friends were also getting mattresses from other brands. And we compared like the quality of the ingredients for the price. And they all agreed that this was the best bang for your buck. Cool. So, um, the Brent- Brentwood home is a brand that you can't trust all their mattresses, but they do have one mattress that is non-toxic. And so that's the one that we use. This crib mattress here that I use as a floor bed for my two and a half year old. This is from the brand called Savvy Rest. And I've worked with them for so long. Um, I actually use the foam that's on the inside of this. It's a, a latex. And I make my pregnancy pillows out of it for my office. Very cool. Yeah. So I also work with like uh, Naturepedic, Avocado, and My Green Mattress. Our guest bed is My Green Mattress. Okay. At, a, a bit back in our conversation, you talked about a home. So um, if I was to build a home and I had the ability to have a conversation with my builder, what would I, and and, and they were open-minded and obviously you pay for what you get. What would be the top couple things that you'd say, you're going to do this while you're building my house? One, I would say finding a builder that is open to using non-toxic materials is really, really hard. Right. So the odds of you finding someone are really slim. And then as far as like timing and ordering and frustration, like you could probably easily frustrate your builder. Mm -hmm. So what things can you control, right? Like you might have to let go of some control where it's like, okay, you might end up doing spray foam in the walls instead of getting like a whole bunch of wool to go in there, because that's just what is easiest for your builder. But could you use non-toxic paint on all your walls? So you literally have no VOCs, which is volatile organic compounds. You have no smell. There is a paint brand that is my favorite. It's the only one we use. It's called Ecos Paints. Okay. No smell at all. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's an investment. Like that's kind of where you're choosing to invest. And instead of having it off gas for years and years, it's like, you just do that and you're done. So my husband and I, we we have 20 acres and we've been talking about building and trying to, I'm like, I want it to be all non-toxic, but like finding a builder 
is so hard. You can look at um, Green Building Supply is a really great reference online and they have a great podcast. You can hire a biological building engineer and they can tell you like what things to look at and avoid. But again, it's a lot of investment. It is. A good friend of mine, uh, Ben Greenfield, when he built his house in Spokane, he even has a switch when he walks into his bedroom that turns off all the electricity yes. around his room. So they, but they spent like Uber money on their place. I think he worked with um, Brian Hoyer of Shielded Healing and we've had him come to our house as well. Totally would make sense. Well, that is, that is cool. So I love um, 20 acres, man. That makes me, I, I love just being out and being open. I love, I think it's very important for us as you know, we have this, this clinical time and we're lots of people and just that, that time to unwind and, and, and get away. So um, not a scripted question, but how do you fill your cup? Like what, what does Dr. Courtney do to just fill her cup? You know, I definitely am an advocate for, and I say, disclaimer, I just came back from two weeks of vacation. So it's like, yes, I do take vacations, but I want to live a life that I don't need a vacation from. And so I try to incorporate like very regular rhythms where my business revolves around my life instead of my life revolving around my business. So like having quiet time, I would like for it to be the first 30 minutes of every morning, but my daughter usually wakes up within like five to 10 minutes of me getting up. She has like this, you know, the biological awareness of mom's not here. Yeah. So having that quiet time with the Lord, like in the Bible, it tells us, I mean, like Jesus would retreat and go off to and be like isolated and have quiet times to pray. I just think that that is really, really important for us to have silence and stillness and quietness. Mm -hmm. But I also am understanding as like a mom that, you know, I talk with my other mom friends in my like church groups. It's like our time does not feel like it's our own. And I don't feel like I have, there are days where I don't have any quiet, but I also have a lot of joy and a lot of like laughter. And I choose to just view it as my quiet times look different and I'm discipling right now instead of it being like, oh, I don't have my, my coffee with my Bible open with 30 minutes of uninterrupted time with my music playing. Cause that's what it used to be. And I like wrestled with that in early motherhood of like, what does quiet time look like now when I get like a two minute chunk here and a five minute chunk here. And, and now I'm like learning how to daily commune with the Lord all day long, instead of just 30 minutes every morning. Oh, good. So good. How long have you been out of chiropractic school now? Um, I graduated in April, 2018. So I'm in my fourth year. So so if you could go back to April of 2018 and with your knowledge now and tell that girl one thing, um, what would you tell her? Oh man, I don't know what I would say, at least off the top of my head. I mean, I feel, I don't feel like there's anything that I regret or that I would do different. I mean, even my associateship that I was in that like went bad, you know, my kind of my, okay. Kind of my knee jerk reaction was like, don't associate, like go open your practice right away. Mm -hmm. But I have gotten to a place of emotional healing where I'm like, there was so goodness that came from that. Even if it was just learning like what not to do. It so happened for you. No doubt. Yeah. And I'm like really, really happy with like where I am today. So I don't know if there's anything that I would like necessarily tell myself. Um, The most important thing has always been to me to just be 
as authentic as possible. And I like started practicing that in school. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would say something like stay the course, right? Because yeah. if you weren't off course, stay the course. You know, um, if you had the ability to put one saying on any billboard in your area and it could say one thing, what would you put on a billboard? These are really good questions. <laughs> I've never been asked these before. Hmm. I would probably put something that would would draw people. Well, I have two different thoughts. I would either do like a um, I can't remember the guy's name, but like a big vaccine one, mm -hmm. or I would do something that is like drawing people to the Lord. Like I love those billboards that are just like Jesus loves you. I know, just plain and simple. It's so good. Um, when the Lord takes you home, whenever that is, what what fingerprint is Dr. Courtney going to leave on this earth? You know, I just hope that like people feel like they got to feel Jesus's love through me. So good. That's so good. I love it, girl. Thank you. All right. This is such good stuff. I um, I enjoy these conversations. I love getting to know people. I love I would love for us to find an opportunity to cross paths someday and, and that'd be so fun. So where can our listeners find you, Dr. Courtney? Yes. So on Instagram, I'm at Dr. Courtney Kayla, and then my business is also our well house. And so we're on there as well. My website's drcourtneykayla.com. And those are probably, I have like a contact form on my website. So if you have any questions, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me because DMs get lost and a lot of people are mean in dms so i just don't look at it a lot honestly <laughs> i love it well dr courtney what an honor to spend some time with you today i know it's gonna be a blessing to our listeners and uh, we will definitely chat in the near future thank Have you so much for having me bet